Show. Here we go. Welcome to the P2 Power Play Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Wilson, alongside Tiago Cucci. Opa, vamos que vamos. Vamos que vamos. <laughs> We're here today with Mr. Rich Curtis. Mr. Rich, how are you this morning? Doing well, guys. Good to see you. Good to see you in person, Kyle. That's it. Yeah, Watched we're here. a lot of your guys' podcasts. Good to see you, too. Yeah. Thank you. Last time was a big event that we're going to talk about yeah. this later, but and I amazing. think, And personally, I think this will be one of the more exciting shows that we have just because we're going to talk a bunch of different things, but landscape of soccer, what you get into, and, and how... Yeah. Maybe we can do things differently in youth sports. I think that will be a good thing to talk about. Absolutely. So talk about a little entrepreneurship. There you go. Um, good, yeah. bad, a lot of the happenings yeah, in yeah. local Orlando yeah. soccer, which are very exciting right, for right, us, right, all yeah. of us. And it's going to be a killer. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For uh, for you guys that was watching, this guy here helped a lot indoor soccer as well. Yeah. So we want to talk about this Big. in a few minutes. Yeah, we should, we should, we yeah. should. Why you don't introduce yourself and how you start with your entrepreneur. Certainly. Life. My name is Rich Curtis. Um, I own a small business called Loss Solutions Group. It's actually a nationwide engineering consulting firm. We investigate insurance claims. Uh, got into that. It was uh, second or third job after my military service. I mastered the art or I mastered my craft. Eventually found myself without a job. Had to start my own business and eventually grew it up to where it is now. Gave me a little bit of financial independence and freedom and the ability to spend money on things like this. Um, soccer, try and make the world a better place before I check yeah. out someday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that a good man? way to put it. Check, <laughs> check out someday. That's good. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we were talking off air and can you kind of explain what you went through when you lost your job and and what that brought you to. Certainly. And, yeah. and, you know, I love entrepreneurship. I love talking about it. I like watching your podcast when you're talking about yeah. it, especially the clips. What are the high points? And, you know, I have yeah. to dig deeper into your episodes. Um, in, a clip in, like that. <laughs> you know, in my case, adversity yeah. was key. Right, adversity yeah. really helped me. Because if you don't suffer a little bit and understand, you know, feeling low and being down, then what's up? If you're right, always sure. up, then how do you uh, end up anywhere else? You're not going to know anything, anything different. Yeah, I was about 30 years old. I found myself with two children, a mortgage, a pretty healthy mortgage in Connecticut, uh, married, of course, and I found myself without a job, probably six months away from foreclosure and all oh that comes with goodness. that, especially oh. with, with children. I don't know if you have children, Kyle. But, not yet. Uh, yeah. I know you do, and yeah. uh, the responsibility we have to them is, you know, it's Huge. great. Yeah. So found myself without that job. And used the craft and the trade I'd already learned and mastered. Went out one job at a time, started up, had to shake hands. The most uncomfortable <laughs> thing we have to do as young entrepreneurs is getting out and shaking those hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's sink or swim, especially when you have children and a family to support. It's a good motivator, especially yeah. with a wife yeah. and a family who believes in you and they know you can pay these bills. Yeah. I hit the streets. I got that first job for $125. I think that's what I made in my first month. Okay. But that bridge went to $450 to $600 and uh, yeah. eventually moved up. And we've got 35, 40 people nationwide right now that oh. are. Oh, nice. And they're not under my care, but I consider myself, I consider I'm responsible to them. Sure. Every action that I take could affect their ability to pay their mortgage and feed their families. Yeah. And one of the proudest, I've got a couple of big pieces of pride. I'm a military veteran, so we try to hire almost exclusively disabled veterans or veterans in need. Um, we went through that financial crisis, and there was a lot of those out there. And I've never had to let anybody go um, wow. due to a lack of work. It's good. We've had people leave that we've encouraged, hey, move up in the world, start your own business, do oh, your nice. thing. Right. Yeah. But uh, never, never, it was never my fault that we lost anybody. Yeah. Uh, so not like corporate greed. Well, a little bit of greed's healthy enough because yeah. I like <laughs> a nicer car than the Dodge sure, outside. Sure. <laughs> but, 
Yeah. Um, no, I'm not your typical entrepreneur. Um, and I've created more of a horizontal company instead of a vertical or pyramid company where all the money's going to the top. De- the money definitely gets distributed out in my company. Pay them enough and they can never leave. Can you explain that horizontally thing? I was talking with you guys here in high soccer about that. So it's, if you can explain how you do the... Certainly. Um, the officers <clears throat> or the managers, the leadership in our company is all paid a very, very healthy amount. So I'm here, they're closer to right here as opposed to down uh, further steps in the pyramid. And they have a responsibility to money that they dole out to the people below them. And again, it's more of a horizontal tier slightly downward. It's not the peak of the pyramid, but more of a flat thing. Mm. So everybody here, in fact, um, the highest paid people in our company aren't me. They're some of the hardest working people in the company at the second and third level who get out there and bust their butt and make Mm. it happen. I've always wanted to create a place of business that I wanted to work. I was often the hardest worker, the hardest charger, yeah. and I wasn't always paid the most. So I said, in yeah. this company, if you were the hardest worker and the best worker, you get paid the most. Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. You see, send the curriculum too. <laughs> so let me let me ask you one thing: Are you claustrophobic? I am. Yeah. How really? How? Because I I, I was uh, researching about you, and you were like U.S. Navy sub, uh, submarine yes. sailor. How? Well, question. Uh, you don't see me stand up. I'm six foot three, maybe a little <laughs> taller with shoes. And they put me on a submarine of all the things. My goodness. Yeah. And after my time in service, actually, it does affect you psychologically negatively in a lot of people's mm-hmm. cases. And I'm not going to say it's PTSD per se, but a lot of us go through things in the service that affect us once we're out. And it's something I've had to deal with for years and years, being in crowds, being in small spaces. I've actually had to do some things to better myself to deal with being able to be in small places and deal with these things. But how was your first time? Like the first time that they were like, you got to go to this submarine. So how, how, what was the feeling of jumping in? Because I'm kind of claustrophobic as well. Completely. I, I yeah, can't yeah, stay yeah. like uh, yeah. a month. How? It's challenging. We all know we're going to submarines from day one once we sign the contract. Oh, so you're mm. in school for two years, all these different courses studying for the submarine. Um, I was in Connecticut and there's submarines there. So you go from school and you get to go visit a submarine. And one of the things that shocked me is you can never see more than maybe 10 feet in front of your face. Wow. So your depth perception goes off. Um, truth be told, after boot camp and being in the military, you're kind of terrified and you're following orders. So you suck it up and you do what you have to do. How um, long do you stay there? Uh, I was in the Navy six years, um, but I've been underwater 70 days at once. Oh, wow. And what was that like? Well, I was supposed to take a quick trip from Connecticut over to the Mediterranean, yeah. but something happened along the way. It's submarines. You could take a guess what submarines do. Yeah. And you ran out of cigarettes. You ran out of fresh fruit. You ran out of this. You ran out of... So we're eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, um, powdered milk, um, no candy bars, no soda. <laughs> and it was just, that was uh, my first or second deployment. It was a long, long time um, to do that. And one of the things that you don't think about, once you're deprived of your senses, This is unnatural light that we have on today. This is much better than what we had back in the 90s when I was in the submarine service. If you don't have natural sunlight, colors are different. So your eyes change. Oh, my goodness. And again, the depth perception, if you never see too far in front of yourself, your focal distance changes. Mm. So I went up on the bridge in the submarine on day 80 or whatever it was. We were pulling into a port in Tromso, Norway. And I looked up at the fjords and the colors and the beauty of God's green earth of what's here. And I just said, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And again... That low period on the submarine and the fear and the running out of the, the goodies and then going up topside and seeing that beautiful earth again. It's the low and the high. and it, My goodness, A different crazy. sense of appreciation for um, a lot of things. That's crazy. So, it's crazy That's because good, yeah. to be claustrophobic and go there. I That's think you, you, you start to be a claustrophobic after 
So some, more, a, yeah. more afterward. More afterward. Yeah. Because it changes your behaviors. And then they throw these soldiers, sailors, and airmen back out into the civilian population to live. And we're Sounds not always the, right. the best adjusted people yeah. once many, we get out. How many people are in the, like, on the crew? It's about time. 135 uh, soldiers uh, or sailors and officers in the crew. Everyone knows each other by their first name. Everyone knows their family situation. It's a very, very tight-knit community. So you had 135 people on that submarine? On every submarine, yes. My goodness. Good God. Could you come back to the submarine if they ask you, like, for 10 days? I'm a little fat now. So <laughs> I, I had a technical job. Um, technology changes over the last 20 years. I wouldn't be able to fit in like I used to. But I still have the attitude and the motivation and you know, most of the skill set to do right. it. And if you could say you took, what was like one key takeaway that you took from doing that type of job? My job was electronics and submarines. Submarines is kind of the overriding part of it. It gave me a great appreciation for being outside of a submarine. Okay. Um, and again, appreciation, it goes a long way, yeah. knowing your lows and highs. Yeah. Um, but the military in general, it gave me a motivation that I didn't have. I was uh, Southern California. I wasn't spoiled. We were kind of lower middle class, but just lazy. Uh, mm. unfocused. <laughs> so sending me to boot camp and getting reprogrammed for six years in the military gave me that motivation to go out and kick ass and just what put me here today. You know, Rich, if I didn't yeah. go in the Navy, I would never have made it to a position where I could be talking to you guys today. So. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my goodness. Because, you know, like you said, you came from an environment where you weren't pushed, and then you get your butt kicked, and you get pushed, and now look at you. So and he's claustrophobic, yeah. and he stay for 70 days yeah. there, yeah. over yeah. 70. Yeah. It's crazy. That is crazy. I couldn't stay for an hour, even with the doors open. Yeah. Crazy. People say that, but when they lock that hatch, you're staying for as long as they tell you to stay. <laughs> you're under there. You ain't getting out. Oh, uh, no, I oh, can't. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I give up. I say, no, no, no. Let me try a different thing. Oh, my goodness. Rich, one of the things also that we would like to talk about is your company that called Orlando Soccer Business Group. Yes. Yeah? yes. So how, how this company works or what... Not, you... not a company per se. It was an idea. Okay. And frankly, meeting Coach Mitchell, uh, meeting you, meeting all these people in the soccer universe for the past 10 years that I've been working around here um, and in doing some investing. We can talk about the Seawolves a little bit later. I noticed there's not a central focal place where the soccer professionals and the people in the orbit, the sponsors, the equipment yep. salespeople, the trainers, the companies, no one's getting everyone together in one place just to talk shop a little bit and relax and enjoy it. Um, you attended the first, um, it was not a marketing event. It was just a social event. Um, ultimately these things will evolve and change, but we put out the uh, invite to some key people, including you put us all in a room. And I feel better that we went through that. It was an amazing event guys. Just to, just to like try to explain, he invited like a lot of key people that works with soccer and was amazing of, of you. Like he, he hosts in a big event in top golf. Mm-hmm. With food, drinks, everything. So this, I think, was the first time that I see that here, and I really appreciate that that yeah. you doing that for soccer. That was with no reason. He, the, the only reason that I think that he had is like to put people, good people together, right. and it was amazing because we knew uh, each other. You know, like we know everybody that was there. So it was amazing time, and I really appreciate that you doing that for soccer. You know, like it was great. One of the conversations great. that we have at home is I met this great guy, Tiago. I wish he knew him, who's also in the soccer orbit. And I wish she was at this. Mm -hmm. So the idea was uh, got a couple of bucks. Let's sponsor an event. Let's put everybody together in the same room and watch them mingle. 
and it's going to grow. We're going to do another one in about a month. Um, you'll get a founder's pen for having been at the first <laughs> I event. Will. Founders, I gotta, I, I'm not going to give it to you. Okay. <laughs> You're going to be on a second event. <laughs> so one of the things that does require is getting out of my comfort zone again, picking up the phone, calling all the owners of the clubs. And frankly, some of them were skeptical about attending, thinking it was, what are you selling me, Rich? I'm not selling you anything. Yeah. In fact, I'm paying to sponsor the Correct. event. I'd be happy to have your attendance. Come on out right, and right. let's and just I, mingle. I'm going to be honest with you. So this in Brazil never happened because we always think like, what this guy is selling? What this so guy what is he doing? Yeah, so yeah. he did that. He did that just to see good people together. Yeah. So this was very nice. And I think I, I mean, if you need help on that, we can invite club owners as well That'd because be it was so nice of you. I do have an ulterior that. motive, and it falls back to something we were talking about a little bit earlier. I think before we got the mics yeah. rolling here, yeah. um, we have a great lobbying power because of all the people that we have. Yeah. In your club, <laughs> I mean, just on your uh, after-school program, you know, hundreds of children are coming here. Those families, that's a thousand people. Yep. Those people have a voice. Those children need to be somewhere. I figure we're probably in the tens of thousands of people that we collectively represent as club owners and people in this orbit. We have the ability to go to local government and say, we want X. You Correct. Know, we want uh, help in offsetting the costs. We want uh, more recognition. One of the things I never see, actually, here's an example. I talked to Coach Mitchell, yeah. and I said, do any of your boys ever get in trouble? He said, no. <laughs> I said, no police, no. He said, no, no, great discipline. Well, they're that way because they play soccer and they're coached by someone Correct. like Co Coach Mitch. Yeah. And I see the chemistry in those boys. Coach Mitchell, forgive me. Yeah. Um, you see the chemistry between those boys? They play for each other, and they know they have a responsibility for each other to be a good boy, be yeah. a good young man at home, and show up. Talk to Coach Alex on uh, Athletico Orlando. Yeah. Same thing. He's got a great group, a very international group of yeah. uh, young men out there. That 13 years old to 28 years old is your biggest group of criminality in the United States. Yeah. People like you are out there doing this, training these kids, keeping them out of trouble. Yep. And, and the value of what that is to society is massive. And I think local government does need to look. And it's not just soccer. It's baseball. It's all these sports. Yeah, soccer happens to be the biggest thing around here. Yeah. And I think local government needs to take notice of that. See, what are we saving on social costs by not incarcerating, not uh, yeah. going through oh, corrections yeah. with these boys? Yeah. And the boys that you're putting out, they're going to be leaders in society someday. They're not going to, you know, they're going to be the best plumber, the best small business owner, yep. the best ambulance uh, person. And, you know, society takes great advantage of that. I think we just need a little bit of reciprocation from local government. And that comes by way of fields and facilities and yeah. money and all these things. So. We need more people that think like him. Yeah. So we, we also have, like uh, uh, we just mentioned about foundation. On Fridays, we help kids underprivileged. And I wanted to highlight the thing about the sponsor right now. So this is a club neutral podcast, but it's sponsored by High Soccer Academy, High Soccer Arena, and High Soccer Prospects. And, and the Power Play Podcast is sponsored by <coughs> Meta Media. Thank you so much, Meta Media. Also, Maris, Arturito, we got to go there. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for being our sponsor as well. We are talking with a few different sponsors to help us on, on the show right now and on fridays i was saying like on fridays we have uh, we have our foundation that we have a partnership with orange county city of orlando as well and we have the preparatory school the girls that was that has some criminal uh, Macron, yep. on the past so and we are helping the ladies here a lot you know it's really good that you were bringing this this subject to the table because i think uh i had a we had a meeting in orange county talking with the commissioner with the guys that is responsible for soccer fields, we were like, okay, there's a lot of no-profit companies. What are they doing being a no-profit? Sometimes nothing. Because as you know, no-profit, you can get paid 10 grand, 20 grand a month. 
No profit doesn't mean that you don't get paid. Yes? Right, right. Correct me if I'm wrong. So we, we are a profit, LLC uh, uh, profit, but we help the community. I was I was doing the proposal for Orange County, like why we don't you guys don't don't filter to see which club are helping the community. Not just the terminology of Non-profit. foundation, yeah. uh, pro, uh, no profit. So uh, because most of the clubs, no profit, they get the first uh, right to yeah, use the fields. Yeah. And it, it, it's kind of crazy for us as a, a small club as well to have the opportunity to have fields. And, you know, it is. It's a big disparity the way, way that the nonprofits are treated uh, vice the uh, for profit, whatever the difference is. Yeah. You know, there's we're, none of us are making a whole lot of money. In fact, we're just investing a lot of time and money yeah. to make the world a better place. Uh, but we have seen the same thing. I think it's great you're helping the uh, young ladies. I'm a father of two sons, so I'm kind of boy focused. But you know, getting the females out here, they're the same same as the boys. Get yeah. them out there, get their exercise, and they're going to get the same lessons out of soccer that the boys do. And, again, making the world a better place. One, one kid at a time, that's all we can do. It's not easy. But I'm going to tell you a secret. I, of course, I'm not going to mention the names, but we were here in the office. I don't know who were here with me. You know, I was hearing some noise. Pop, 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 explode. We're like, man, something is going on. One of the ladies got mad because she, she lost the uh, – she was about to score. She l- lost the ball. And she was yelled by the other ladies, and she destroyed the whole bathroom. Destroyed the whole bathroom. It was like maybe two grand as lost there. But, I mean, and the guy asked me, Chaco, you want to continue helping them? We're like, yes. This is why I'm here for. I understand she might, you know, be stressed. But this is our focus, like continue helping. Uh, if one or two changes for a better life, yeah. This worked for us. You know, like this yeah, and there's other underserved groups as well. You know, we have the lower income groups, especially in Orange County, that I think we need to do more outreach in. Yeah. And you've got like Coach Alex on Atletico. Um, he's worked with a number of refugees who've come from these countries where things have gone bad. Yep. And these people need a place yeah. and a home in, in the United States. You know, I know you're from uh, Brazil. We bring these people from elsewhere, you know, to have them join a family. And what a better place than a soccer family to yeah. join and get the camaraderie, especially yeah. young men, because we'll, right. we'll find bad things yeah. to do if our attention isn't oh, yeah. uh, kept elsewhere. But to your point, it's a global game. It, it brings everybody together collectively there, and yeah. it, it helps solve problems, I think. So I think and there is a lot of uh, players very helpful with, with your help. One of them we interview here both, Pantuza, mm-hmm. which I think was the episode two, and yep. Maicon, episode five six. or six. Two of my favorite players. Yeah. So they were talking about you, Rich. And uh, I mean, I wanted to bring this public, like, that you helped them on the middle of the COVID. Uh, you, uh, Rich, gave his house for them to live in Daytona for a few months. So really appreciate the help that yeah, you And I'm, I'm not the only yeah. one. I Someone well, else I was housing a number of people. Then we yeah. had the, the married couples and where do they go? And yeah, yeah and COVID, it was crazy. Oh, yeah. uh, lodging was impossible. Yeah. We have a condo on the beach, so I put the uh, Brazilians up at the most comfortable place I possibly <laughs> could. They made it about I, your, your apartment there. That was amazing view, uh, beachfront. I mean, I'm saying that because like there's people that does the things like a, as a foundation to put in the, on the media. And you, do, you didn't put anything. You don't no. use that to promote yourself. So this is good of you. Mm-hmm. So And I wanted to say thank you in the name of Dan. They are very proud of you. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, it's what yeah. we do, right? <laughs> yeah. Help people. But why don't we move into Orlando Seawolves and just kind of talk about the marketplace and how that worked. How did you get involved with it? And how did it start? Okay. Um, so let me put it out there. I was yeah. an investor amongst a bunch of people who invested in this. 
the principal was a shyster. Um, his name is Chris Kokalis. He's recently yeah. been arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of spoiled me on investing in soccer, at least in that realm. But it's something that happened. It's part of Orange County history now, unfortunately. Uh, this guy, Chris, came into town with the MASL franchise that he had brought from Cedar Rapids, uh, Iowa. Mm. A lot of us are into soccer. Uh, we're in the orbit. Um, we met with these people, or met with Chris. Uh, we eventually invested a good sum of money, as did a number of other people. Loved the sport, loved meeting the people, um, started to build something here, but it was poorly managed by, again, the same person. Yeah. Um, we, we don't need to go too much into him, but he's, you know, there's bad personalities everywhere. And despite my experience and my ability to discern personalities, I didn't identify this one as a bad apple. Mm. So unfortunately, I think he's damaged soccer here to some degree in Central yep. Florida. Um, I'd be hard-pressed to find an investor to come and start a professional team indoor right now. I think our momentum right now is actually going to overcome that. But, um, you know, it's been a challenge. But if you have any questions specifically about the Seawolves, yeah. I loved it. Uh, I loved meeting the players. I, I have from the franchise. Do you have the price to be affiliated with AMSL? Um you have an idea? Yeah, uh, there's you know the franchise costs and there's an operating budget, which are of course two totally different things in travel. Yeah. If you wanted to get into that, I would walk up with five hundred thousand um, dollars, okay. ready to lose. If you wanted to get into something like that, we are not counting the operation. No, that's that'll get you through a year yeah, or so. A year. See, we were talking about a hundred k for the. It's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. And what is the return on that? Like, I always talk about finance, you know, Kyle talk about more uh, about the uh, technical part of soccer, but the how you get your money back. As an investor, you put a, a half a million dollar there. How you expect to, to get this money back? Hypothetically, the league's going to build like all leagues have in the United States. There was a point in time where Major League Soccer wasn't what it is now. Oh, no, yeah, you know, yeah. MLS is making money, which is great for all of us who do mm-hmm. enjoy soccer. Uh, there's probably a point in which the NFL didn't make a whole lot of money. So your hope is you, they um, grow the franchise, they grow the popularity of the sport. And I yeah. think indoor soccer is ripe for gaining popularity. Mm-hmm. Some sports are better on television, some are better live. If you attend your first indoor soccer game, there is no excitement that can match that. And I've been to all the major sports. I've held season tickets to these things. There's almost nothing more exciting. So it's a matter of getting people in the seats. You grow the business. And ultimately, there will be a return on investment would be the hope. Like buy and hold is strategy when we compare with stocks. So you buy and hold to see. I wish it was a buy and hold. More of a buy and pay. (laughs) Buy and continue to pay. (laughs) And COVID did damage to all the professional sports guys. So Hopefully it comes back around. You know. I'm yeah, too- I think the youth soccer, like we were talking about that, like how was how our company was working on the pandemic. To be honest, was the like 2020, 2021 was the best year ever. You know, I, I know we didn't stop working here, but it was amazing. I know for like whoever has the stadium, you know, like your case, Silver Spools Arena, it's hard because people will not go. But I think one of the keys that I, I found out is having our own place. Orange County was closed, but we were open, you know, because I think this, in my opinion, is one of the, the keys. Yeah, the thank goodness we live in a state where the, lo- where oh, the yeah. government said, oh, yeah. hey, you know, in fact, one of the governor's first proclamations, he said, I want people to <laughs> golf and play soccer. Like, yeah. Let's go. Right, yeah, Last God, month yeah. I went to Chicago and the guy was like, what is your uh, vaccination? And I was with my wife and my two daughters. What is the vaccination for the daughter? At four years old, and I was like, I don't have it. She didn't get a vaccine. So you can't come in a, in a hotel. Last month. So thanks God that we are here in Florida. It's mm. way different. Mm. Yeah. And, and people see that. And that's why we have all the 350,000 people coming yeah. here a year. That's why people are 
uh, investing, growing right. businesses. Um, it's cheaper to have employees here. It's a business-friendly yeah. state. Um, I've li- I'm from Southern California. I lived in Connecticut. This is absolutely the, I've been all over the country. This is the best place one could possibly be right now for both small business and for soccer. Makes a big Sick. difference. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are in a so, good place. Uh, I am curious. So how did you guys pick or get into Silver Spur Arena? How did that come about? And a lot of the mechanics were done prior to us getting involved. Mm. Chris Kokalis had uh, laid the groundwork, signed the contracts, um, signed the players, all that. So I I was a season ticket holder and a fan before I threw money mm. on the table. Gotcha. So you came in after. Right. Yeah. Um, first year. But frankly, they were bleeding money and they needed some infusion of cash or they wouldn't be able to make payroll. And in fact, if you talk to some of the guys, they didn't always make payroll. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. W2, yeah. 1099. And then the, the question that somebody asked us is, how did it close or how did it, how did it finish? Because obviously... It doesn't, they don't I don't think anymore. the story's been told, and maybe yeah. I'll do this on my own podcast yeah. at some point <laughs> in time. Um, literally, we had a, a phone call from Chris, and he said, I'm done, and packed his bags, took the money, and ran. Oh, my goodness. Wow. He took the, you had the access for the bank account, or no? You no. Did. Some people did. Um, some of the, again, I don't want to embarrass any of the other losers of like course, me yeah. who invested in this thing, but there was enough people with the keys that they kind of kept the thing going. <laughs> Yeah. I've seen Coach Traxler and uh, Andrew Haynes kind of talk about their version of it from where they were, but the perspective of, you know, who did it really hurt? It it hurt me to a small degree. It hurt some of the other investors to a much larger degree. It hurt the players. I mean, they kicked yeah. it out of their house. It was just, it was horrible what they did to these visa, guys. Visa, everything. Yeah. V, yeah visa, green visa mess. Yeah. Yeah. One of the players, we, we just, yeah. So, so yeah. truth be told, a bunch of us reached deeper into our pockets. We had to keep payroll going for a little while just because it was a humane thing to do, even though there was no return on investment. This is just sunk money at this point. And ultimately, the league took it over and kind of put the pieces back together enough to make it happen. So you start in April 2018. Yeah, with the club, or the club was established on... I don't remember the exact year. I think it was 2018. Yeah, I would have been in a couple of months after yeah. they arrived here in Orlando. And did you have any specific, like, targets or goals in mind when you, you invested into it? Like, yeah. did you say, oh, I, I'd want to see That's this happen? Question. or Sure. Um, we know the momentum of soccer in this country is on an up curve. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen sports leagues grow. I've always been a season ticket holder to yeah. something, be it baseball, basketball, hockey. And I saw this, once I saw the product on the field, I knew this was something that we could sell to the masses. Yeah. Um, TV, it's just okay. Um, frankly, being at the game, because yeah. of the size of the arena and the distance and the player interaction with the fans, you know, it's top-notch. You really don't get that in a lot of other sports. And soccer's, so close. And soccer's yeah. always been very accessible. The players are human like us yeah. and not, you know, your superstar slugger who yeah. maybe waves at the kids on the way out. <laughs> and soccer culture has done a good job of that because a lot of these kids come from here and now they're yeah. here and they remember where they come from. They want to say hi to the kids in the stands. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if you know that, but High Soccer Arena was there as one of the supporters. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. that as well. Yeah, so but we put our brand on the field mm-hmm. in exchange of few spaces for, you know, few, uh, a lot of time. But uh, in your in your case, you were like a, more as a silent investor, no, not putting any brand on, on the uniform, or you had a brand on, on their uniform? How no, the, my brand isn't public-facing. So there was really no reason to do that. I was straight up investor into the equity of the company. Okay, okay. So you you bought a percentage of the right. Uh, okay, yeah. okay, perfect. Yeah, and was a was a good payback or not? We lost everything. Yeah, crazy. It happens. And oh yeah, in the business businessman, you make some good investments and bad yeah, investments, yeah. and that was one of my biggest losers <laughs> in life. <laughs> and, and it happens. You have yeah. to let that stuff roll off roll off you. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll consume you and it'll eat you up. You. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm curious. What what 
does the the payroll look like for staff and for coaches? So like from the coaching perspective and the and the players. Some of this is going to be proprietary information. I can speak with you generally about this. Okay. Some of it's very, very disappointing once you hear it. Um, I've observed contracts being signed where a player gets paid $50 a game Whoa. if he plays. If he plays. He can be dressed and maybe not play, um, which I thought was just inhumane. And he, I wasn't the person you know, crafting these contracts. I would never let that go on in yeah. an organization that I personally had the, uh, the keys to. Um, coaches, coaches can be paid professionally and keep it as a full-time job to compete with other professional coaching options out there, be it university, yeah. um, or, you know, the lower university level. Um, so it's, it is a full-time business. You have to have your PR guy and all the other pieces that work with that. Not a great paying business. And again, MASL is second tier in the world yeah. of, you know, major league soccer. Um, the hope was, you know, you'd have your $200,000 coach someday and maybe your million dollar players. We had Landon Donovan, you know, with San Diego right, right, for a little right, while, right. which is pretty cool. Um, I think he can get there. I'm not sure. You know, frankly, I'm a little bit disappointed with the way things went with us at the end, the way the league just kind of washed their hands of yeah. us. So while I wish indoor soccer the best, uh, I see Andrew Haynes and some other people are starting another affiliation out there, which, you know, I wish their brand the best and hopefully they can set a higher standard. Start small, start in markets that work and make sense. But again, I think we're a little bit damaged here. Um, yeah, no, I bet. To pull in a sponsor again, if you didn't know me, you know, and I came up to you talking <laughs> about investing, you'd, you'd just smile and laugh at me. <laughs> We're going to talk me the about door this. Out of here. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's no, crazy. but what about youth soccer? So you were investing there's in something, adult. There's yeah. something I believe in. And I don't have to have a return on investment yeah. in youth soccer. Yeah. There's so many good things happening. Yeah. Ultimately, there will be because I'm going to do more and build and create projects. Um, Orlando uh, soccer business meetups never going to generate a dollar. In fact, the sponsors will throw money in, make things happen. But those relationships that we're going to get out of there, that it's going to help you. It's going to help you. Yeah. And ultimately me. And I, it's a good feeling. And that's how business happens. You know, put you, the conventional message was a bunch of old guys on a golf co golf course today it's us on a golf facility of some sort <laughs> um, enjoying a couple of brews eating right, some good right. food and sharing camaraderie talking about things that are important to us yeah. and uh yeah and then how does that like how does this impact like your your, your younger son especially because he's 2009 birth year noah mm -hmm. you know what, what what is the goal with him is that so, like are you looking at this for youth perspective investment in him or are you just saying from a general perspective like okay i want to invest in you soccer because i want to change something being a soccer dad put yeah. me in this world. Um, my son, Noah's actually a special player. I've seen, met a lot of young men in my life. Not many young men have a motor and a mentality and live, eat, and breathe soccer. Maybe in Brazil there's more common. Um, he has a potential to go a long way with this. Um, straight A's in school, doing that type of thing. So my motivation with him, let him achieve whatever he wants to. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be a conventional sports parent. Mm -hmm. I'll take him to practice. I'm not going to push him. But he wants to train and have fun. It's little boys playing a game. Let them play the game and the joy that he gets when he gets to go compete on the weekends. There's nothing like that. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen the bad parents and all yeah. that other behavior out there. Yeah. And the parent just kind of <laughs> keeps it zipped yeah. up and uh, let the boys be boys. I'm sure there's some girls. funny talk on the sideline. Could you give an example story of something <laughs> you've heard of uh, parents maybe getting pissed off or something? Well, I should have brought a list. <laughs> Guys, it's completely inappropriate behavior. Yeah. People are just, they're living vicariously through their children. Right. They yeah. forget why we're here, which yeah. is to support our children in a sport. 
Uh, swearing, some of the disrespect toward the referees, it's appalling. Oh, yeah. And frankly, as you move around this state, you know, if you have a player on the travel program, you see some bad behavior in certain regions. Yeah. You know, I'd like to think we're pretty well behaved here in the Orlando area, but <laughs> right, c- right, right. some areas certainly, yeah. you know, maybe in Miami area, parents a little bit hot-headed. Yeah. And, uh, I've seen multiple player ejections. I don't have a number one story off the top of my head, gotcha, but yeah. I've seen physical violence threatened on several occasions, which oh is completely inappropriate. I completely agree. Yeah, you can't be doing that. Yeah. You sport. Yeah, and that we have a referee shortage out there, oh, yeah. and they don't realize the abuse that they're creating with yeah. these folks. You know, thank God we have people willing to go out there and do that job and help our children yeah. to realize their dreams. And yeah, It's hard. <laughs> Referees getting paid better right now it's, because it's, of that. I yeah. think. Well, and the reason I ask that question is because I'm always on the other side. Yeah. So you can hear a little bit of parents. Like we had a tournament not too long ago, and there was a parent – like cursing at our kids on the field, cursing at our kids on the field. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why, why are you acting like that at a U nine game? Like, we're talking about eight year olds. It was, it was, was, com- it was crazy. It was completely crazy. Not mentioned the, the the other case that the TV was there covering. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, not, to, crazy. not to mention, we're in Orlando. We're in one of the most cosmopolitan areas on mm. earth, yeah. right? Yeah. So you got the British parents with a chip on their <laughs> oh, shoulder yeah. about the Brazilians <laughs> who aren't fans of the Scottish. Who you know, get those type of things happening and a little competition. Meta so, Media has a question. It looks like we got a question, and the question is, what needs to have a project that you can say, I want to invest there? Mm. What business plan are you looking for? Growth potential, low startup costs, and keep key people availability. In fact, I'm mentoring a couple of people right now on some small business projects. I've got some very basic formulas. I understand the service business, not so much product. Um, although, you know, this well, I would consider kind of an service business, you know, you're well within the control of what happens here. A machine doesn't break that stops the entire place from working. Yep. Right. Um, and I, what I tell young people or young entrepreneurs that want to get into this, every, I ask them, you know, what do you want? And their answer is often, I want to be rich. I want to make a lot of money. <laughs> Always. And this I is wanna, your name. <laughs> and I want to be an astronaut. But how do we get there? How do yeah, we yeah. get to that rich? What's the process? Yeah. Um, you have to have three three key things. Oh, whoa, whoa. let's oh, highlight that. Let's, let me write down. <laughs> and it's fairly universal, and I think you guys will agree. You need to have the expertise to perform the job that we're mm. talking about. Be the best plumber, be the best drywaller, be the best of whatever it is that you do. So master a trade, master a craft. And that often comes by working for other people and learning that trade. Number two, you need to have the motivation. And this is the big one. Mm. A lot of people can show up for work at 8 a.m. and work until 5 o'clock and do their thing. Small business means you start at 6 a.m. after you dreamt about your job and the challenges that you have that day. Everything you do throughout that day, past 5 o'clock, making those phone calls, then doing payroll, then paying those bills. And when you're doing the startup, a lot of that front and back in time is sales. Making sure yep. even if you have a good product or service, it doesn't matter unless you can sell that to somebody. So that motivation that I had when I was in the basement about to lose my house <laughs> You need that motivation to go out there. And again, the military gave me that too. That motivation to go out there and kick butt every day. Yeah. That is clip a lot it. of highlights. Yeah. When I say when I do this, it's clipping. Clip, clip, clip. <laughs> and Amazing. number three, um, it's the finances behind it. Mm. In my case, I took a very small loan from a family member just to be able to pay my bills um, until I had enough revenue coming in to cover it. How much was your loan? $25,000. $25,000. You were capable to pay the debt? It was tight. <laughs> <laughs> you see, uh, it's hard. It's crazy. But I do want to. I want to talk about one thing because you you mentioned it with motivation. So, you, like, I don't think people quite understand yeah. what it takes to actually run a business. Like, people always talk about, okay, I want to run a business, but they don't realize the sacrifice. And you mentioned it a little bit, but like waking up at six o'clock, but it doesn't stop at five. It stops 
at 6 a.m. the next day and you got to do it all over again, in my opinion. But can you kind of talk about that, what it takes, like how much you had to work to be successful at it? Yeah, and let's not uh, under underrepresent the stresses associated with this. Yeah. Working a job day to day is tough enough, but when you add the additional stress on you, it can yeah. be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It can, oh, yeah. People can succumb to depression or drug and alcohol mm-hmm. use and whatever goes along yeah. with that. Uh, it's important to have people believing in you around you, which I did have. I had my mother, I had my wife, my children, you know, they, I suppose they believed in me at the time. So you need that around you. Um, it's that motor that you have to have within you to keep charging every day and don't give up on yourself. Um, as long as, and for me, again, it was important to have people around me yeah. in my, in my orbit to believe in me. Yep. And because I had that, it gave me the ability to go out and do those things. Mm-hmm. So when I talk to young prospective entrepreneurs, I actually have to have a belief in them too. Otherwise, why am I going to help them? Right, waste, right. waste my time yeah. talking and giving the same advice that they're not going to take. You need to see the eyes like, I really want to yeah, do I this. I really yeah, want yeah, to do yeah, this. Yeah. That's it. I mean, one day a, a guy asked me, Chago, uh, you, 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 I mean, because my visa is an investor visa. And this guy asked, like, how you did that? And like, I didn't have the option to fail. If I fail, I got to come back to my country. Yeah. So when people, in my opinion, when people has the, the, the choice, oh, if I don't do good, I can come back to... My family, my family will support me. You don't learn. Yep. This is what kind of... You're in you're comfort. Saying, yeah, you're, you're in, in comfort. a comfort zone. So this is amazing that he got alone. He started from the scratch. It's, yeah. it's definitely crazy. People ask me as well, like, Chaco, how is to be entrepreneur? So eight to six, or I'm not going to work. I'm going to go to the beach the whole week. It's not like that. You got to work even more. Mm. Yeah? I don't think we took a vacation for the first eight years. That's first just- eight years. Ching, 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 ching. Now I take very healthy vacations. <laughs> so that is the, but, but the better question on. is why? Why did you not take a vacation for eight years? Wasn't in the finances and part of being in the submarine, you have a constant sense of anxiety or you're going to crush and sink to the bottom. So you're always on edge. Mm-hmm. And my on edge was, am, is my company going to fail here without me? And mm-hmm. there's a lot of business lessons that yeah. I haven't done everything perfect. You put the right people in place, things will take care of themselves. But that anxiety and the stress, if I spend $5,000 on a trip to you know Cancun with my family, is that $5,000 going to cost someone their job next week if the right work doesn't come in? So the stress and anxiety, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, until you reach a certain point financially, it doesn't matter how much money you make. If you think you're making a lot of money, well, how much are you putting away in reserve and right. these type Correct. of lessons? But those are deeper yeah. business lessons that you know, people have to learn after they get to a certain point. Right. So the financial stress is the reason I didn't take vacations. Uh, I get that completely. Short, short yeah, answer. Kaya is, is good on that as well. Yeah. Okay. Long time. You, you were mentioned about, like, uh, money. People want to become rich. Uh, people think that open a business in the first month, you're going to become oh, rich. Yeah. So uh, what I do here is funny that you, you were mentioned about that. Like, when I came to U.S. seven years ago, my dream was to become rich to buy Porsche, a lot of things. And I, the money was never coming. I was like, where is the money? Where is and I stopped thinking on the money as the first target. So this helped me a lot. You you were just mentioning about that. Uh, when I mention with people that works here with us, I say, money is not my first target. Money don't motivate me. Why? Because I could make more money if I work with, the, you know, different things. I my, The motivation here is, is with the people. You know, see people growing. This is incredible that you you brought this to attention. Well, you do have to be attentive to the finances. That that should be a lagging part of the company. Lagging, lagging indicator. If everything's going well, the money will take care of itself. And that's not to say one doesn't have to be attentive to such things, but you got to build a business. Look around here. You know, this is your business. This is your brand. You're expanding. You're doing the right thing. The machine is working. Definitely, I have investors that want to see the return, but... (laughs) 
Right. My, our mind here, I can say with CU, Kyle, is to deliver the best service that yeah. we can. You know, so that way the, the thing is going to come. And on an interview, the first thing, w w when someone mentioned, oh, how much are you going to pay me an hour? I say, how much you want to get paid? A hundred. I can pay a hundred if you bring me to hundred as a business. People start with the question like, how much are you going to pay me? They don't ask with the questions like, how, how is the business? Are you guys growing? Can I become like a director? It's, this is funny because people always start about money. Yeah. And I don't blame, man. I was like that seven years ago. You know, I think the dream of becoming a millionaire is crazy. I mean, I'm not a millionaire, but I, <laughs> we can. Yeah. Oftentimes I'll ask the young entrepreneur, what do you want? Yeah. At, at, or why do you want this job? What's your number one motivator? And it is money because they have to pay yeah. their bills and uh, do it at home. What separates that person from the other person who's going to succeed is the person who asks those questions. Where do I see myself in this company growing and moving up yeah. and looking for expansion? Yeah. And again, that's a it's a minority of people. It's not the yeah. vast number out there. And so look, ninety five percent. Yeah, the world the world needs all those people. We need all those types, and we're all a little bit different up here. And some people have it, and some people don't. And I'll never be able to drywall like the person <laughs> who did this room. Yeah. Um, and that person will never be able to do my job. And that's just what all it right. is. All right. I do have a question and. That question is, could you walk through like a typical day when you were starting your business? Like, like a, not to be anything overly detailed, but like, okay, you woke up at this time. These were your targets during the day. What did you do? What time did you finish? Type of thing. So people might get a better idea of what an entrepreneur looks like day to day. Sure. Um, I'll skip forward a few months to where we're operational because yeah. frankly, in the beginning, it was dressing up in pretty clothes and going out and shaking hands and begging for that first job. Gotcha. Uh, it is. It's waking up early, getting that coffee in you for a little bit of motivation and setting your goals for the day. What am I going to be doing today? It's a simple pad and paper. You write down what you need to do and make sure you knock those off every single day. And if anything wasn't on that list or didn't knock anything off that list, make sure you prioritize that for tomorrow. Um, as an entrepreneur, though, uh, making sure you've got the sales happening to keep that engine rolling, because without the sales on the front end, the back end's not going to receive any paychecks, and you're right. going to have yeah. to lay people off. Um, it's a service business. There's nothing magic or unique about mine. Tiago mentioned uh, being the best service that you possibly could be. That's frankly been our key. There are companies that are better than us, better qualified, yeah. larger, whatever, what have you not. We provide a better service, and that helped get our foot in the door and differentiate us from the competition. Um, but back to your point, yeah. um, small business, um, you're never off. You're just work, 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 work. <laughs> and, you know, in the Navy, we had a saying, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. So you yeah. always have to be <laughs> filling those moments during the yeah. day with something productive. That's not to say there isn't a place for off time and some chill time, but you have to be moving that machine forward. A business is a machine and you have to have all the pieces running and one bottleneck in the middle of that machine, a broken gear, can cause catastrophic effects. So you got to be attentive to what's going on there. Um, hopefully I answered your question. I know. Because, again, I think people – I've had conversations with people who say, oh, I want to start a business. And I'm like, do you really know what you actually are talking about? Like, it's not – it's not yeah. nine to five and then you're done. It's It doesn't stop. And, Kyle, it might be worth mentioning. I yeah. worked uh, 250, 300 hours in that first month and made, 100, <laughs> made $125. Oh, and, and ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and entrepreneurs have to understand that yeah. when you own this business and this machine, sometimes you're getting paid, paid far low than – far yeah. less than minimum wage right. for the effort that you're expending, yeah. which being in the military, that was a good lesson for me because I made a dollar an hour there. So it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't completely <laughs> foreign to me. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people that when I mentioned the three keys, having that money, having that money as a backup, um, yeah. it's important to be able to get through the period until yeah. you're generating enough revenue to get on your feet. Yeah. Let me Th ask those you a number of hours. Is no, crazy. it's crazy. Yeah. 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 
So I, I never measure how many hours we work. We should do that to yeah. see. <laughs> so you mentioned about the loan was over twenty twenty five thousand. Twenty five thousand yeah. dollars. So after get this this loan, how long you took to become financial independent? Six months. Six months. How? Hustle goes a long way. Like I said, master your craft. If you're good at what you do, you go out there, get those potential nice. clients, turn them into working clients. And yeah, I think it was 125, then 450. And boom, we went to the thousands after that. Nice. And by month four or five, I knew there was enough to pay my bills and initiate the payback period. And I think within a year, we had paid everything back. Oh my wow. Goodness. Your normal awesome. is like 48, uh, 50 something months. You got the payback in less than a year. Nice. Which is why I'm a big advocate of the service yeah. businesses. There's a low barrier to entry. You know, look at the guy who's mowing your lawn. Probably an immigrant. Saw he could do that job. Mastered his craft. Got a couple of inexpensive tools and started. Yeah. And now the guy doing my lawn probably makes more money than me, which is great. <laughs> so a lot of these, you know, in the Orlando area, there's a lot of people with money moving in. And there's expanding yeah. opportunities for the young entrepreneur who wants to provide a service to them. Uh, when I explained to Kyle what I did earlier, your eyes, yep. eyes kind of wandered off. It's like, no one's ever heard of what I do. And there's a lot of jobs no one's ever heard of that are yep. being done out there or yep. could be done by the entrepreneur with some creativity who can make up a new service. Yep. In fact, 40 years ago, my business didn't exist. It had to manifest and evolve because of a need. Mm. Um, there was no one hanging TVs on walls 25 years ago. Yep. Today, there's people making Correct. a full-time business of hanging televisions on walls. Yeah. So again, be on that bleeding edge on the first TV that gets hung, master that craft, and you're going to stay busy if you provide the right service. Ultimately, grow it into a larger company. Yeah. What, what are the businesses that you think is going to blow on, a, on the next five years to ten? Well, if I give you every prediction. Yeah, you know, I, I, I want to know. A, I want to know. And I'm going to talk about stocks later because I want <laughs> six months payback is incredible. I like the food service business in Orlando in particular. Um, we're a growing food empire here. I like the food truck concept. I like donuts. I like all these things that are going on. Um, you tend to spend a little bit more when you're out and about testing and sampling these foods. Yep. We have a big transient and tourist crowd here, so you have to figure out how to service them. I had an idea right before COVID that I effectively just took the business plan, turned it over to someone else, and they never uh, executed on it. But like I said, these businesses that you haven't heard of that fill a niche or a need that are expandable, and a lot of money can be made. That's kind of where my eye looks. Yeah, I, I receive. Uh, he sent me like your to summarize your life in a, in a paper by by Facebook, and you put over there a very interesting that I think is going to grow a lot is the company. Yeah, so we don't have that. You know, like no, we don't. If can, we, can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. And yeah. here's the nexus of my thought. Yeah. Um, World Cup 2014. Where was that? Yeah, <laughs> it's Brazil. Yeah. It was a joke. Um, <laughs> Nike had, <laughs> Nike had a great ad campaign when that was going on. Winter stays. Do you remember the commercials with uh, Roberto Carlos passing the ball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was amazing. Yeah. Winter stays, and they came up with a great clothing brand and cool shirts. And I was a skateboarder, and fashion was a big part of it. Yeah, all the. Hopefully, that's not me. Oh, oh you're fine. No, I thought it was muted, but it was my iPad. No, it's, it's your iPad. Right, it's my iPad. Sorry. No, I thought those shirts were really cool that Nike was coming out with. And again, in skateboarding, I saw the culture, saw the money that can be made. In fact, that's where all the money is in skateboarding today is the fashion and apparel. Mm. And no one's making cool soccer gear. Yeah, correct. All these young men running around, young women, I think they have different tastes and yeah. what they like. But where's the fashion? There's nothing out there. Correct. Buy a T-shirt. Amazon. You know, let's Amazon let's let's go buy a T-shirt machine for twenty five thousand dollars <laughs> and start printing up some T-shirts. There's enough creative artistry around this area that yeah. we could definitely tap into that. Uh, someone's going to do it. 
and maybe I'll maybe I'll do it. Maybe someone else will do it. Maybe there'll be ten cool companies that go worldwide doing this. After this podcast, maybe someone is going to create something. But I agree, we really need something like with the cool shirts, yeah. shorts, cap, dot, whatever. Dot, yeah, all of it. Yeah, yeah that is amazing. And uh, I would like to ask you, like, what is your goal right now with soccer? Like, what what are you looking for uh, with with soccer? Like, to be to sponsor another club, what are you looking for? Well, I sponsor Atletico Orlando, and one of the greatest pleasures I've had is watching them go from Alex Flores with yeah, an idea yeah. and building it from scratch. It's the entrepreneur spirit, watching someone build something. And in a self-funded club to go from zero to winning the state championship, you know, within two years. Correct. Where do I see? I'm very Florida-centric. So the reason I'm getting Orlando Soccer Business Group together, I want to see this become the soccer capital of the United States. And people look at me, well, why are you the one with this vision? I'm just a guy, but no one else is doing it. Mm. So if we put these pieces together, get the networking up, um, maybe we'll touch on the investments that we just saw go in by Orlando City recently. All this money is getting dumped <laughs> in here. Let's build this place up to the soccer capital yeah. of, of the United States at the very least. Yeah. And because of our close proximity to South America, we're in a key place and the tourism and everything else. Yeah. Well, like you said, everybody wants to come here. Right. And they do come here. Oh, yeah. So the market is definitely there. And, and I always tell people, you never know who's going to walk through your door because at one in one moment, we had two f- big-time former pro nephews in our program. So one of them is Roberto Carlos's nephew, and another one was Alan Smith's nephew. And it's like you just you just never know who's going to walk in and who's going to yep. you know come through the door. So it's, just, it's crazy. Like I remember I was at uh, practice once, and, and – the guy's name is Alan Smith. I don't know if you've heard of him. No. He played for Manchester United. And I'm standing there, I'm like, I know this guy. And I'm like, who is this? And he, he came to two practices. I couldn't. I didn't know who it was. I, I couldn't put the, the name to it. And then the next day, the kid came with a Smith on the back. <laughs> and I said, your dad must be out. He's like, no, that's my uncle. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's great. <laughs> that's the kid fantastic. Used to, a guy used to watch on TV, and now he's sitting here watching my practice. It's like yeah. you just. No, you never know. You never know who's going to watch. It's like in our practice, there's a lot of Orlando City players. The, the kids is with us, yeah. some of them. Yeah. And with the, in the daycares. Like here is starting with two years old. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's really good. In Brazil, we don't have that a lot. It's, it's growing a little bit more on this uh, daycare part, but in Orlando, what I can, what we can see it is this demand is getting big yeah. and big. So, well, at, uh, the business meeting you met uh, Lori Dudfeld, uh, yeah. form, former EPL player, mm-hmm. and where did he want to move and start a business? He wanted to move to Florida and start yeah. a business. Yeah. And a lot of the former Orlando City players who've retired, you still see them around in the community. They they stayed here. It's a great place to live, and yeah. I think they have similar visions. But again, you need the money. You need all these pieces yeah, to not go easy. together. And I have a little bit of money, but there's a lot of big dogs out there, and we need to go to these people in the community and ask them for their contribution as well. The out of the goodness of their heart, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you, you kind of talked about it, what would you want to see change first to make this the, the hub or the place to be for soccer? I think it's going to happen organically on its own, but I do think some changes need to be made. Mm-hmm. I think the buy-in from the uh, local municipal, even state government to provide a little bit more investment into these programs. Mm-hmm. I mean, your program, the good that you're doing here, guys, I mean, that should be 100% funded by the city. Yeah. Um, you're already providing the free labor and all these other things, but it's not free. No, it's always a cost. <laughs> government, please help us. <laughs> always a cost. And no, I'm a small government crazy. guy, but hey, we pay these taxes. I think one of the best things we could do investing in the future is investing in soccer and getting these young people off the streets and in, yeah. into yeah. the pitch indoors and doing their thing. Yeah. makes for a better society. So what else needs to be done? Um, I see it happening right now. The investment that's coming in, you're going to be – I've spent some time in Europe looking at their football clubs. 
the regional rivalries that should build up. Lake Nona should build up a powerhouse or two, as it's looking right now, and fight it out. Because right now you have to travel so far to play quality clubs. Uh, You're going to Georgia. You're Mm -hmm. going uh, up and down this gigantic state. And you learn how big it is when you have to drive as a soccer parent. So building Orlando with all these super clubs around, boxing it out every week, I think is going to be key. And it's happening right now. Yeah, because it's like when you go to Miami, the competition level is so high always. And then, you know, it's funny. We, we, I, I call it breaking the Orlando bubble. Usually when you break the bubble and you go to Miami, you lose because right. the competition here is not as high to your point. So it's definitely a, yeah. definitely a, a difference. But I think you're right. Having that, bo- you know, boxing match type yeah. of style would definitely be And the Europeans explained that to us. They said, you know, there's top-grade clubs around every corner yep. and a pitch around every corner, yes. again, which we don't have enough uh, yep. field space in the county, which – it's the government portion of it. And once you have that and the barrier to entry being zero for the underprivileged kids to come in and everyone's playing, yeah. disabled kids, everybody. This is a sport that anybody can enjoy. Do it from a wheelchair, do it from a crutch, do it however you do it. Kids getting out, kicking balls, and the joy and the wonderment that you probably see every day here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is, and as an adult, that's what I get out of it. It's just magical watching yeah. children learn and accomplish and you know yeah. better themselves and Funny kick a ball in the net, isn't it, guys? Well, it might be. It might be interesting. This might be a good way to get into it. Is uh, futsal, and the reason I say that is because you don't need a lot, and a lot of schools have gyms already. So you just need a ball. You can get goals for cheap, and you play. And you the infrastructure is built. It's yep. already there. Just a matter of getting access to these places, which Correct. again can be a challenge. Um, one of the things that I'm happy to do, and I'm going to propose to the Orlando Business Group. I've worked in government. I've been elected in government. I know how to talk to government. I'd be happy to be your advocate to go out there. Tell me what you want. Let's make a list of what needs to be done. I'll be happy to be the person to go down there and meet with them. I know you're already doing this, but uh, more globally in Orange County, Osceola, Polk, Lake Counties, and go out and meet with these local governments, uh, list our demands or our requests. And we're taxpayers. We can make demands. It's fine. You see, <laughs> and people ask why we do this podcast. There's a nice people here to help us, guys. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Definitely, we need help. Like, we are being talked with Orange County, City of Orlando, mm-hmm. to help us, like, for example, field. So some underprivileged kids, they never play in an outdoor field. Why? They don't rent for us. Because there's some major clubs renting with a big contract, long contract, yeah. foundation, you know. Like, the nonprofits no taking profit, the air out yeah. of the room. Yeah. Right. So it's hard, but definitely this, this is going to help us a lot. And I think we have the fire question, Kaito. Can you explain hard. the fire question? Yeah, it's pretty easy. It's just a time limit. Um, Tiago's going to ask you uh, like a choice, and you got to pick one fast. There's no right Light, or wrong. Lightning round. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. So uh, options to invest right now we're going to talk about. Okay? Let me uh, pull up the timer one second. And the fire. There it is. Yeah, yeah. So right, indoor ready? or now outdoor soccer? Outdoor. Okay, outdoor or stocks? Outdoor. Uh, outdoor or real estate? Outdoor. Outdoor or crypto? Outdoor. <laughs> Just that. And oh I've, had, I've had my hand in each of those. <laughs> uh, indoor and outdoor is frankly a split. I yeah. think uh, time needs to be spent in both. Um, heck, we're in Florida. It's nice to be indoors a good mm. part of the year. Oh, yeah. Heck, in the Midwest, it's great to be indoors yeah. too during the colder months. Um, 50-50. These both serve a place. You may be Outdoor and one. indoor. Hybrid. Hybrid. Hybrid program. Uh, now, are the athletes that you see, just like I see the professionals around here, but are they, can you be a diverse athlete and play it at a, at a high level on both indoor and outdoor? You can explain yep. the hybrid program. Uh, well, I think his question is <laughs> a little bit different. So, yeah. like, I'll give you an example about me. Um, I played soccer my entire life. I got introduced to futsal as a kid, but never really got into it much. Um, but I had experience. And then when I started getting older, 18, 19, um, 
got some more opportunities, but I ended up playing semi-professionally in France, Division Four. played college soccer, uh, did a, a tryout with, not a tryout, I, um, what's the word? You ever heard of USYF? No. United States Youth Futsal. So they have a national identification program, and there they had a, a head guy from AMF, and he saw me playing because I had to step in for a scrimmage. He's like, hey, you should play in the national team. So then I got called up to the national team camp for futsal. Wow. Um, and I did very well, and we went to the World Cup, played in the World Cup. So you can do it. I actually think it's way easier to go from futsal to soccer just because it's obviously smaller. Um, but all the skill sets are essentially the same. But the translation from a futsal player to soccer player is obviously more touches on the ball, rotation, you have to attack and defend. Um, and you don't have to do always, like, you know, people think that you don't have to defend. Like, you look at Messi and half the time he's walking. He's not playing defense, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but that's because he's messy. Not not many people get away with that. But I think futsal teaches all those like intrinsic motivational things that you need to be successful in soccer. So you can do it, and there's guys that have. So and I, I, and I see good. the Brazilians and some of the Europeans when Correct. they come here. Oh, yeah. They're a step above our oh, yeah. kids yeah. with regard to the ball handling, yeah. and they all tell me it's Mycon's from a great example. It's from indoors. Yeah. Like he, I don't know if you know, but Mycon was a futsal only player, and then he transferred into soccer. Did not know that. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. So like he played with Neymar yeah, a lot of his yeah. touch is completely ridiculous, but it's because. He constantly played small sided game and faster. Quick I think uh, we we don't want to promote high soccer arena here, but high soccer arena I think changed the way the kids are learning soccer now because mm-hmm. we brought the first futsal court yeah. in Orlando. You my know. idea, you're welcome. Your idea, yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows yeah. that. What yeah, was your idea? idea. Tiago, as a parent yeah. who brought my children here for the first time a couple of years ago, yeah. it can be intimidating for a soccer player to step in here and mm-hmm. watch your skills don't always translate. Correct. Correct. And yeah, yeah. it might speak to the high level that the children were at here relative to what we're seeing on the outdoor yeah. pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so. you're definitely right because on on I like to say this on on courts like this, you can be exposed if you you either have it or you don't. Yep. You can't you can't hide in it. On eleven v eleven, you can hide because you can play right back or you can play somewhere else and get away with stuff. You can this, stay in the front. Yeah, hey, this you you don't play good. You're yeah, you're and done. Fall apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. with this team, Michael and Pantuza helped me a lot. But we yep. won the World Futsal Championship undefeated. That you is know? incredible. Yeah. Our Wednesday league here 2020, is 2020 yeah. undefeated World Futsal champs. Right here. Right here. In Orlando. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's every summer. They have, uh, from United Futsal, they do United a big, Futsal. big tournament. Yeah. And they bring teams from all over the country. And there's even internationally. I don't know about this year just because of COVID still. But yeah. the tournament is, is incredibly high level. And it's really fast. It's it's well, one, really good. Once again, where's the world championship yeah. held? It's held right, right here. here. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. Right here. Really good. Right here. And the second question is, when can we go to the your apartment in Daytona Beach? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll talk after the program. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, uh, Sue, you have any question? You, I, I do have a have question. A, you know, from a, loose, a youth landscape perspective, how do you feel like it's done for your two kids from a soccer, like a soccer yeah. perspective? Do you feel like they're, you know, do clubs do a good job? Do you have to do extra work? Like, how does that, how does that look for you? No. Um, We've been through five or six of the local clubs. You've heard of them all. Some have been consolidated to other clubs. And what I've seen Orlando go through is kind of from the Bush League, um, just your volunteer dad standing around, not knowing what they're doing, evolving into this thing where you can go to high soccer now and train with some of the you know best professionals in Florida, or if, not, if not the world. The level of play has gone up. Level of training's gone up. Yeah. Level of professionalism's gone up. Uh-huh. You know, I'm affiliated with Rush right now, and to watch the professionalism that they're executing out there with their staff and everything else, and frankly, it's I see it in a lot of places. Okay. That high level of ownership, management, staffing, training, running like a business as one should, while always keeping that goal in mind of taking care of these youths and making yeah. them both better players and better people at the end yeah. of the day. 
Better people. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, so over your time, because you have two kids, how old is your older one? 18? 18. So, like, you know, and your younger one is 13? Uh, it'll be 13 in a couple weeks. Okay, yeah. so, like, there, there's a, a gap there a couple years. Five years. So, you know, over the course of that time, obviously, I guess you've seen growth with programming, structure, organization of clubs. I've been here the whole time, okay. the past 10 years, and we have seen it go, go from, again, Bush League yeah. to... Hmm. Frankly, if I lived anywhere else in the country and I had a child and I wanted them to be at a high level in soccer, this would be the first place that I would look. And with everything happening right now, a lot of it we didn't get into, this is going to be the mecca. And uh, I think they should move U.S. soccer headquarters here and get know. out of Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Get, out. <laughs> get it out. But is there anything like you just mentioned, is there anything you want to talk about still that we can discuss? You know, uh, I don't know specifically what, but uh, talked about some entrepreneurship things. Yeah. I would just encourage anybody who's watching this. Don't be afraid to ask questions and ask for a mentor. I remember when I was coming up uh, in business and there are rich, uh, rich old men out there. And I was always told this, this rich old guy would be happy to help you. And I was intimidated and afraid to ask questions because in my mind, it's the old banker from Monopoly. What is he gonna, how is he going to relate <laughs> yeah. to me? And yeah. how is Mr. Moneybags going to help me? Well, frankly, uh, especially as fathers, we all want to help and pass these things on. So when I see a young man, he has a question. Again, I'm always going to young men because um, that's usually who I'm dealing with. They have a question. They want to succeed. I can tell them how it is. You know, come to me with questions. Yeah. My messages are, they're not all universal for everybody, but they work for me. And I've shared this, I've shared a lot of things that I've learned from other people who've mentored me and helped me out. So if you are young and you do have a passion and you do want to learn to become an entrepreneur, ask someone. How can they ask you? How can they contact you? Um, you can put my link in the Facebook uh, okay. from this episode. You you let us know, Meta yep. Media. Yep. Yeah, because people ask, how can I contact the guys? Yeah. Like, for example, we had the scouting, the director of scouting in Orlando City. What? When is the is the day? You know, what, when you're going to do the scouting? So this is why we always ask, like, how can people reach out? This is very important. I'm and part sure of the, and part of the Orlando economic landscape, wages are yeah. lower here. Working yeah. a wage job is difficult. Yeah. It's difficult to raise a family on because we're high in the service industry, and that kind of sets the wages with a couple yeah. of major employers. So starting your own business and doing it on your own is a way to uh, expand that margin yeah. and achieve those higher levels. And it's not about being rich. It's about getting financial independence where you can go to the grocery store and Try not to look at the uh, the price the at the price. checkout. When you go to buy a car, you know, be reasonable, but, you know, you're not going to stress over. You don't yeah. stress over yeah, every yeah. dollar that you spend, which most of my life I did spend like that. And just been the past eight, 10 years or so where not every dollar, you know, mm -hmm. something that I think about. And that's really, I think, where people should yeah. achieve or want, want to get to, not being rich, rich. Yeah. And yeah. How, how does that make, like, now, how do you feel about that? Be like, okay, I don't have to stress about... Money. We want to feel that feeling. Yeah, yeah. What does that feel like? It's yeah, good. It's really good. We want to feel that feeling. It's really good. Your stressors change. You know, yeah. Let's not uh, yeah. say that all the stress is removed. But just having that financial monkey off your back where you don't have to worry about where your next paycheck is coming from, enough money in reserves that you it gives a comfort, especially raising a family, because that stress of not thinking about not being able to feed your family yeah. or pay your bills, there's nothing yeah. like that that yeah. I can even describe. Do you worry about the gasoline price when uh, getting up? Or <laughs> Well, I think we shared a story with the Orlando business yeah. meeting. Because where we came from, we were n not always high income or had enough income to pay our bills. Yeah. So that's built into me. So, yeah, when I see $4 gas, it bothers yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. I can't afford it, but, you know... Yeah, and definitely, I'm, I'm just joking. But uh, we, we talked yeah. about car buying experiences. I, I looked around the lot... <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Take a sip. Break time. <laughs> no, I, I want to talk about why are you, mm. you rest about how you can watch. So again, you can change the settings if 
now is the part that I speak in Spanish. Tú puedes cambiar en settings para español. Tú vas para la parte de settings de autotraducción, Siul. <coughs> autotraducción para español. Yeah. O si você quiser assistir en portugués, você troca no settings uh, close caption. Y portugués, yo esqueci cómo es que close caption. But you can change there. Close caption to Portuguese. Okay? And then you can watch us in any language. It's crazy. YouTube mm -hmm. like is auto-translating everything. Oh, te vemos uh, hablar en portugués o español? Él uh, puede Buena. hablar en portugués también. Okay, puedo. ¿Puede hablar español? No. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> It's crazy. You can speak Spanish a little bit. I can. Yo puedo. Yeah. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. <laughs> yeah, I've grown up in Southern California. Spanish was mandatory. My first job was in Taco Bell. So, yeah, I, I do have quite a bit of Spanish in my background. Oh, Taco Bell. It's good. That's a long time that I don't Quiero Taco Bell. Taco Bell. And while you're talking about okay. the... Yeah, the, like the Because of our financial, where we came from, it's hard for me to spend money on luxury items. Mm. Um, so if you look out in the car lot, you're going to see a pickup truck that's several years old and probably needs a car wash. Um, like I said earlier, it's not how much you make, it's how much you put away and what you do with your money. I think a car is just a frivolous expense. It's oh. not not bad to treat yourself once in a while, but be reasonable about these things. Yeah, Cars only depreciate, real estate appreciates. <coughs> Make good uh, financial decisions. So. Yeah, no, th this is crazy because yeah. I always see like uh, some good friends with a lot of nice cars, like mm -hmm. paying rent, and mm -hmm. and sometimes I ask like, why you have a Porsche, like a Panamera, eighty grand? It's a family car. Yeah, it's for the family. And I was like, man, don't do that. And and when we try mm -hmm. to speak with people like that, they say, well, who's you? Like, I want to buy this, and you know, like it's hard for you to get like a financial. Uh, like uh, independent, yep. if you continue to do like that, like people that buy expensive code and the money is there and gone. For example, my my uh, in Brazil when I used to live there, Brazil, we have one of the most uh, how can I say ostentation country in the world. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like over there, you gotta take a picture using the expensive things. No oh, social. Yeah, yeah uh, okay. our social there is, is crazy. So if you have a good cars, you get you have a good estateability. Mm. I'm not. Generalizing, how you say? Generalizing. It? I'm not generalizing, but this happens the most of the time. But I think, uh, I mean, I'm not at your level, but I think this helped me a lot changing mm -hmm. that that machine. You know about my car Mentality, as well. Yeah. It's a 199 a month leasing car, right off for the company. Well, the young <laughs> entrepreneur might make his first hundred thousand dollars, think it's a lot of money, and yeah. go out and buy that big car. It's never a good decision. Correct. Correct, correct, correct. Especially yeah. now, they buy a big truck and the gas is one seventy mm -hmm. a week. So how how thing. important was it budgeting for you when you were, you know, especially when you lost your job and you had to build a whole new company? How did budgeting yeah. impact impact your lifestyle? And I'd love to say budgeting was part of our life. It it, it was bringing enough money in the door to get food. Gotcha. Um, once you build the business, though, certainly budgeting has to be done, and you can uh, look at what your priorities are. Your people are first. Take care of your people first. Everything else will fall into place, especially in a service business. So uh, you were major. I mean, we are talking about financials. So can you give us like, do you use an app or you you have your own spreadsheet in Excel? And do you do that? This control like every month, your personal? Control? I'm the president of the company. So we have a CFO who takes care of that. So sure. we'll look at the profit and loss, see how things are going. And for us, it's year over year. COVID wasn't great to us. Yeah. When this economy shut down, my business is literally based on the economy. If there's no activity in the economy, mm -hmm. our business goes to nothing. And it did for a few months. 
Um, but yeah, we keep an eye on the profit and loss year over year. We had, you know, going from $125 first month to at some point we hit a million dollars and two million. And that didn't take too long. Yeah. So that, that, that's great to watch. Work. Just hearing the word a million dollars, you know, yeah. growing up when I heard that yeah. word a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, it's over. I'm done. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's no, over. It's not like that. No, we're talking about gross company revenue, not my personal uh, revenue, but hitting yeah. the, when a company makes a million dollars, it's a big milestone to get over. And the five million and some other big ones out there. I'm on the track. <laughs> so, but when you start, like, I would like to check, like, when when you start with a with a loan, the 25k, how you were controlling the financials there, like, to pay back this person that like, that was only paying my bills. That was paying um, the paying the mortgage, paying for food, paying for car insurance, and everything else. It's I had to get money coming in the door in order to make enough money yeah. to cover that nut every month. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this is good. Do you have an app? I, I know you have the 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 company that take care of the financials, but do you know what, an app? Because we were talking about that, like people that doesn't know how to to deal manage with the money, money or yeah. to manage the. Do you have an app that you know that can help people to control their financials? Or you recommend Excel, like customize it? Yeah, I'm an Excel guy, so everything. I'm a numbers guy too. So yeah, everything in, everything out, put it yeah. into a basic Excel spreadsheet. I'm 49 years old. I'm not, you know, at 21, I could probably tell you there's a cool app out there, yeah. but I don't know what that one is anymore. Can I take this one? Yeah, yeah please. Yeah. And I don't, use, I don't use app as well. I think it's, it's, it's free. Mm -hmm. Excel is free, so you can do it. <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah. can Boy do free. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important yeah. to keep track of your ins and your outs, though. Yeah. Know what your revenue is. Know what your yeah. expenses are. Have a good idea what the finances of your company are. And again, these are more in-depth business lessons. Once an entrepreneur started up making a little yeah. bit of revenue, that's where you need to watch your margin. And by the way, if you get a 40%, 50% margin that you're making, you're going to have a competitor jumping on your back, undercutting your prices, and you know taking all your business, you too. 45% so. is a good margin, in your opinion, 45%? That would be an amazing margin. <laughs> most, pe most people are striving for a 15, 20% margin would be great. Um, there's growth numbers, too, that kind of follow the same trends. You have 15% margin. You're running a healthy business. Grow it big enough, you can turn it into a public company. We were mm -hmm. talking about margin yeah. two, two weeks ago. Yeah, our margin is good. <laughs> That's what I like I'm not going to gonna talk about margin because, as he said, people are going to jump in and visit. That's it. Yeah? That is it. Any other question, Kaito? I know his time Any is. Any other questions? Yeah, I, I have I a mean, lot. So, but... like, my, my next question was going to be how, what, what advice would you give somebody that's starting out? They want to start a business. Maybe they don't know how to manage money or, or something. Like, the reason I'm asking is because one of the things I got into is Dave Ramsey. Do you know who, sure. who he is? Yeah. So, like, I followed his plan to a T, saved my money, paid off debt, boom, 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 knocked it out. Like, is that something you would recommend for somebody else, or do you have a model that you think works? Uh, one of your guests in a prior podcast said, surround yourself with people who are a little bit higher level than you. Yeah. And I think having a mentor around who can walk you through these things, because business is fairly universal, yeah. um, you know, budget, revenue, expenses, have someone around you that can walk you through the process. You take everything that you can learn from them and then kind of customize it to your own application. Got it. Um, so yeah, having someone else around who's been through the ropes, there's not a, you know, I've read books, I've read the 24 hour MBA. Um, there isn't a rule book for running a business. So you take all these pieces of information. And again, importantly, having a mentor who kind of understands your business. If you want to bake cookies, go talk to another cookie maker who you're not going to compete with. And maybe they'll help you out and get, show you the ropes. You see, it was almost about the same uh, thing that Jerry Davis, yeah. uh, like business that is not, uh, it's not that complicated, but you need to understand about the numbers and This is great. Understand man. the rules of the field that you're playing on. Yeah. Knowing how to deal with government, knowing how to pay your taxes. And again, these almost, almost, the almost everyone I've uh, 
been around, watched them come up, be it my friends or peers or coworkers who've made a lot of money, almost all of them had some sort of trouble with the taxes. Mm. So again, how much money did you make? It doesn't matter. How much did you set aside for the IRS is, you know, <laughs> a, a, a key question. Watch now. out. A lot of write-off. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we need to bring someone uh, like accountant, something like that, to talk about that because there's a lot of things that, they can write off legally, right. like cars that I'm doing. That, that, that was amazing. I took four years to learn that, that if you're using for your company, you can write off because you're using depreciating your car. Yeah. So we can talk about that. With another important lesson, yeah. Surround yourself with a financial professional when you get into the position that you're making enough money that you need to attend to that yeah. and take advantage of those important write-offs. Yeah. See, we need to take this advantage. Bingo. Bingo. It's the power, power you. Power you. 59 seconds. 59 seconds. Yeah. But once again, Rich, thank you so much for yep. being here on the show. A lot of insight. I told you, I think this was going to be a great episode. And oh, I think yeah. it was very good. Uh, people that want to open a business should yeah. uh, listen and watch this. If you don't, if you're not a subscriber yet, so please click smash on the that like button smash and subscribe. And what else, Yosito? Any question? Meta Media, thank you so much for the show again. Yeah. Uh, Maris restaurant, Arturo. We are hungry. We probably is going to stop by there. Uh, High Soccer Academy. Thank you so much, High Soccer Arena, High Soccer Prospects, Rich Kurtz right here, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much yeah, for coming. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank it was you. a lot of fun. It thank was. you so much. When when this episode is going to be released in two weeks, okay? So probably going to be posting some highlights on Instagram and Facebook. Very thank soon. Thank you so much. And again, if you want to watch in Spanish, cambia settings para español. Si tú quieres... Uh, <laughs> confusing. If you want to watch this in Portuguese, just change settings Portuguese. Thank you so much. We out. See you in the next show.